0: we're going to be continuing on in our series uh, what's the difference and that's where we've been going through the book of second peter uh, and kind of showing the difference uh, and a focus on a christian worldview the the way that we approach our lives the way that we approach uh, difficulty and challenges uh, and even the things that uh, cause worry or anxiety uh, or frustration uh, today we're going to be in second peter chapter two uh, we're going to be starting around verse 1, and so if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, uh, that's where we'll be. Otherwise, we'll have it up on the screens uh, as well. Uh, but before we be- get there, uh, I kind of want to start off with another confession uh, from my teenage years. Uh, the last one where I kind of like snuck out and had the car break down and all of that was such a hit. Uh, my parents found out via live stream. Um, so here's another confession uh, from my teenage years. It was right after I got my license. Um, and I was driving around, uh, and it was kind of those fun back roads, you know, where it's got a nice little curve, and the curve's kind of banked. Uh, and it says, like, speed limit 35. But when it's dry and, and you kind of take it right, like it feels like you're racing a little bit. And uh, I'm trying to be cautious because I don't want to make it sound too exciting for people that are just getting their license. Anyways, um, I wasn't paying attention to my speed. I went around the corner, uh, realized that at one point I was doing somewhere between 10 to 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. And I'm like, oh no. And So I slow down and probably within 15 seconds of, of me slowing down, all of a sudden, there's like red and blue lights behind me. And I'm like, oh no. Uh, and so I, you know again, I get that sinking feeling in your stomach, especially since I know uh, that I had been going too fast uh, and so get pulled over, I still remember the road in Marshfield, Wisconsin, where this happened. Uh, it was right by one of the high schools, uh, and I pulled over and i 'm sitting there and waiting and waiting, and they shine that super bright light so you can 't see anything you don 't know if they 're coming or not. And, Waiting and waiting and all of a sudden, you know, the officer is there and what's the first question that they ask? That's one of them. Do you know why I pulled you over? So then I'm sitting there like, what do I say? I'm like, um, not exactly. And he's like, you have a headlight out. Oh, okay. And so I was pulled over because of a headlight out and for some reason, Uh, They didn't catch me on their radar at my speed. Uh, It was one of those, you know, kind of dodging a bullet while sweating bullets kind of thing. Uh, But then there's other situations uh, where there's no police officer uh, and you really wish that there would be one. You know, where you're cut off in traffic or or somebody uh, is just driving rudely. The other day I was uh, driving along the interstate uh, and I heard the motorcycles before I saw them. Uh, but these two motorcycles went by, and they must have been doing 100 miles an hour and just weaving back and forth between the traffic. And I'm like, where's, where's the police officer, you know, when he needs to be there? So there's circumstances like that, uh, but nothing to say uh, of even greater injustices that seem to go unstopped at times. Uh, racial injustice its happened throughout history and throughout the whole world. Uh, human trafficking, which is at an all-time high. Genocide, um, abuse in its many different forms. Crimes and violence that are perpetrated uh, against human beings. The other people are in the image uh, of God. Uh, and then with our viewpoint, we, uh, as humans, we try to... Uh, seek or create justice within this. And we try to grasp and control these things and reduce them within our society. Uh, God allows for rulers of mankind. Uh, Again, we kind of touched on that with Romans chapter 13, to be able to create some law and order. And they have a sword for a reason. It says within that passage, within that, and so we see different laws uh, and different things constructed to try and have some order within society. Uh, Some of those things are really, really good things, like don't drive 15 to 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Um, other ones uh, don't work out or uh, continue to cause other problems. The thing though is, is even if mankind it would be uh, find some way for all of humanity even within one country, like, like l- let alone the entire world, but even just within one country if, if every person can find a way to, to agree and work together it still wouldn't solve the greatest problem that mankind faces. And that's sin in the world. Sin being the thing that causes people to make the decisions that they make, that causes these tragedies uh, against others. Uh, and we're going to look at some of that today and the justice uh, that God will bring in that. But before we get into Second Peter chapter 2, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning I'm thankful for your holy word, uh, thankful that you are God, That you spoke all things into existence, as we looked at last week. um, Your plan is written, and nothing can change that. Uh, That in your sovereignty, uh, and your will, all things come to pass, and your promises will never fail. That we find hope and rescue in that. Lord, as we contemplate and consider uh, the darkness in this world, or uh, the lack of hope, or even us just trying in our best efforts as humans to try and fix problems, Uh, We admit uh, that they're all imperfect attempts uh, that are trying to even create control for ourselves sometimes instead of submitting to your perfect plan. Uh, And so, Lord, we come and we pray that your Holy Spirit would work within us, uh, that you would guide uh, my words to the gospel and to the hope of Jesus Christ uh, in our hearts uh, to trust you regardless of what may come uh, through The rest of this year and the years to come we pray this in jesus name amen all right so we're going to start off in verse one uh again two weeks ago uh jesse matthews from the bayview campus came and he preached on this uh and so if you didn't uh hear that and some of these verses uh, pique your interest you can go back two weeks online and follow along uh, with his teaching on this but starting in verse one just kind of set the context for today uh it says there were indeed false prophets uh, among the people Uh, and so it's talking about throughout the the history of god revealing himself to people there was false prophets who would then try and gain power or control for themselves and lead people to follow them and away from god Uh, just as there will be false teachers among you, meaning in our day, after Jesus Christ walked on the earth till now and continuing until he comes again. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories." Uh, And so again, this is just kind of bringing out those false teachers. Uh, The way of truth will be maligned. Uh, It's that idea of here's God and his direction for us. It's his intent for humanity and mankind to to live in a certain way and following after him. Uh, And then false teaching will actually cause society to look at God's plan and say, that's actually terrible. That's not progressive. It's not changing. It's not adapting as humankind. In other words, it's not where we would like to go and create our own design and our own plan. Uh, And so they will malign that uh, through their false teaching. Uh, Even denying the fact that judgment is coming for them. Uh, and we kind of talked about that uh, two weeks ago. But in this idea, this, this judgment is not just reserved for false teachers. Uh, we go through the rest of Second Peter, uh, and then we'll just go through some of these. Verse 10, uh, it says that it's especially for those that follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Verse 12, for those that slander what they do not understand. Verse 13, those that consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight their spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions, while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. Uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery. People have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom but they themselves are slaves of corruption. In context, throughout the rest of Scripture, we see that this is anyone who is outside of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is simply a pursuit after our own kingdoms, our own desires, wanting control for ourselves, which is the initial sin of Adam and Eve, where they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, saying, we want to determine for ourselves what is good and what is evil. We don't want to just trust what God reveals to us. And so anyone outside of that saving relationship is in rebellion to the creator of the universe and in denial of his true existence i say true existence specifically because we'll have people that that want to pursue after their own kingdom to to create their their own sense of rule and law within their lives and determine for themselves what is right and wrong to to look at the word of god that was breathed out and inspired by the holy spirit and to say you know what this makes really really good sense uh but this part over here i just don't feel is right And you know what? It seems more right to me to do something else. Instead of following what God breathed out to give, they create that. And so they may even acknowledge that God exists, but they're not acknowledging His true existence as Lord, as Savior, as the living Word itself. Jesus Christ is called the Word. It is a denial of that, and it's a creation of a false gospel where jesus christ is now created based on our own desires our own whims and what we feel comfortable with instead of a full submission uh, to a reigning king and lord who has done everything for us to rescue us from ourselves this passage in peter uh, is a heavy one as he continues to go on to show the consequences of rebellion against god second peter uh, chapter 2 verse 4 It's as if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell and delivered them into chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment. So this is the first point that he makes out of like three different points. And we'll we'll get to all of those. But, But just reading this, for if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell and then delivered them in chains of utter darkness, to be kept for judgment. Uh, what is this talking about? I mean I, I, I just consider that for a moment: angels who sinned, angels who has rebelled against a holy God. Now our concept of sin is, is something that we kind of grasp within our lives each one of us has our struggles we have what we work through we have the things that that tempt us we we know when we fall we repent and we we rely upon the grace of god as we kind of walk through this life on earth we we wake up and we get out of our beds we have breakfast uh, in our homes and we go on with our day Seeking to be faithful to God and and in that finding ourselves at times with with sin and temptation in our lives. Like, Like we get that concept. What bed do angels get out of? What kitchen do they walk into? What job do they go to? They don't face sin and temptation the same way that we do. Imagine that if you... Have seen the heavenly realms, the full glory of God, a participation in, in heavenly choirs, to to be there as God spoke all things into existence and then yet rebel, yet, yet deny his true existence at that point. That's what Peter's talking about here, and he doesn't specifically mention it, but most likely uh, uh, he's referring to the time uh, before Noah where angels rebelled against God's design and order, uh, his created design, and greatly contributed to the wickedness leading up to the flood. And so they're like, you know what? Like, we saw all these cool things that God did, but we're heavenly beings, too. Like, let's go down on earth and play and do whatever we want in rebellion against what God had designed. And so in this, it says uh, that they were then thrown into hell uh, in order uh, to wait until the time um, being kept for judgment. Now, this idea of being thrown into hell, uh, I think, isn't the best translation within Scripture, uh, because our mindset of hell is that of eternal uh, punishment uh, and torment for rebellion against God. And yet it says that they were thrown uh, into hell here in order to be kept for the time of judgment that then results in that ongoing eternal punishment against the rebellion of a holy God. And so here within the Greek, this word for hell here uh, is the Greek word Tartarus. it's different than the usual word uh, that's meant uh, for Gehenna. And so, uh, again, this is not an understanding of they were thrown in a place of eternal punishment for their sins in order to wait for a judgment and then continue on in this place. Um, Our understanding of this uh, isn't exact. uh, And I wish we understood more and maybe someday we will what's clear here is that heavenly beings who had seen the glory of god still rebelled and they are now being restrained in a place of darkness as they wait for this time of judgment angels that never knew the difficulties that we face uh, as humans they never had the temptations that we had Then, for ourselves, if, if God would do this for angels, what would He do for humans? Peter continues on in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, uh, so he's talking about angels uh, being chains of utter gloom for uh, judgment. Verse 5, if he didn't spare the ancient world, so again, this is referring to the flood, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly, if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, and condemn them to extinction, making them an example of what is coming to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, who was distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows, how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. This is something heavy for us to consider. And and I think we need to contemplate this because he's saying that these things are an example of what is coming for the ungodly. As Christians, we live on this world. And and like Lot who says, living among them day by day, his righteous soul is tormented by the lawless deeds he sees and he heard. This is us. In our day to day as we look at news and we hear tragedy after tragedy. We hear uh, of abuse. We hear of people close to us or people that we know suffering tragedy unexpected things happen this year that we've gone through has been so chaotic so hard with with covid and everything else that we're going through but you know what that makes it even worse than all uh, of the the things that we've had to go through this year people's reaction to it i imagine going through a, a season of covid where there wasn't so much animosity back and forth and fighting. Imagine facing um, tragedies in life without pointing fingers and blaming one another and making it about our own desires. Imagine never turning on the news and hearing of a child kidnapped or someone shot on a street side. A heart breaks for these things. And as we experience these things, it makes us long for the return of Jesus Christ. Romans tells, not Romans, Revelation tells us that there's going to be a day where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more sickness, no more disease. These former things have passed away and, and God with His dwelling will be with mankind. Like, I long for that day. We all do. But what Peter is reminding us Here in this passage that though we long for that day of God's rescue sin being ended judgment happens at the same time we long for rescue and we will celebrate with Christ in heaven but we cannot forget this also means judgment for the ungodly Judgment for those who are outside of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Peter, anointed by the Holy Spirit, is saying, here are examples of what will happen to the ungodly in verse 6. So he brings up fire and water. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 7. Starting in verse 17. Like here's Noah on the earth. God says that he's going to bring a flood. He tells him to, to build a, a big boat that makes no sense to him. Uh, and then he's going to bring these other animals on. And so this all happens. The day comes. The rain starts. Uh, the door is sealed. It begins to rain. In verse 17, the flood continues for 40 days on the earth. The water raining. Uh, just imagine rain for 40 days and 40 nights to begin with like like how is your mood after just a week of like clouds and rain like that's kind of hard right or or I've got a uh, um, what is it a limestone basement uh, it's a porous basement wall foundation you know so after like three days of rain I'm like looking in the basement I'm like oh boy like here's just a little bit of water this is 40 days and 40 nights of rain torrential rain pouring down non-stop just imagine sitting there and wondering like is this going to end if you had no idea noah's sitting there saying okay this is what god promised and we're rescued we're safe inside the ark but but for those outside when is this going to end when is this rain going to end well my crops are getting washed away wow my basement's starting to get a little bit full let's go to higher ground let's go to higher ground the water's coming up more. Let's go to higher ground. The water. When is this going to stop? So raining 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 18, the water surged and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The size of a building floating on the surface of the water. Then the water surged even higher on the earth and all the high mountains under the whole sky were covered. The mountains were covered and the water surged above the mountains more than 20 feet. If you're outside the ark, when is this going to stop? Let's get higher, let's get higher, let's get higher. Imagine the crowds uh, of people trying to claim the highest spot on top of a hill and yet the water came up. Twenty-one. every creature perished those that crawl on the earth the birds, livestock, wildlife and those that swarm on the earth as well as all mankind everything with the breath of the spirit of life in its nostrils everything on dry land died He wiped out every living being that was on the face of the earth, from mankind to livestock, to creatures that crawl, to the birds of the sky, and they were wiped off the earth. Only Noah was left, and those that were with him in the ark. And the water surged on the earth for 150 days. This is one of those stories that that we have in our children's Bibles. And we look at them, and it's like, oh, it's cute. Like the animals came two by two. You know, you got the two little elephants, you got the two little lions right behind them, the two little mice. (laughs) And they're all cooperating somehow on this building-sized boat. And in our Christian lives, we like to leave the story there because there's like this cute aspect of the animals. But it is God's judgment and wrath against the rampant wickedness that was happening on the earth at that time. People died as judgment happened. Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. Uh, In Genesis chapter 19, out of the sky, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, burning sulfur from the Lord. He demolished these cities, the entire plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and whatever grew on the ground. Again, we know that story. We know Lot's sitting there and and God's talking to Abraham and saying, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And and Abraham's talking with God. He's like, what if there's ten righteous people within the city? And God's like, okay. Like, I'll spare it for the sake of the ten. But there wasn't ten within the city. And because of its unrighteousness, God brought judgment and punishment upon that city. Again, that idea of this story, a lot of times we focus on here's Lot and here's his rescue out of that and the, the angels grabbing them by the hand and, and pulling them out of the city and, and Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt. But, but here's this rescue. And we focus on that. But, but I think again, to contemplate the weight of what happened, we cannot just pass it by. were wicked people in that city that stood there perhaps in wonder at first thinking like here's some falling stars here's some meteors and then it didn't stop and they were wiped out because of their wickedness and their sin these are examples the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to bring up these two events specifically to say these are examples of God's judgment for those that rebel against Him. For those that insist on their own way. For those that insist that it's my own goodness that will save me. And deny that we need to have Jesus Christ as Lord. These are simply examples. And we cannot forget that they're temporary the city was wiped out these people that were wicked died but yet there is an eternal judgment and an eternal punishment that is told to us in scripture that is coming for those who are wicked jesus himself talked about it he's he's saying okay when you're tempted by sin it's it's better for you to cut off your hand than to go to hell now this is one of those things that we don't like to reflect on I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness uh, and the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, believe in um, something called uh, annihilationism which which simply means uh, that if you're wicked when judgment comes you will just cease to exist like, like, you'll die, and because you're wicked, you won't be conscious of anything else ever after beyond that for, for all of eternity. So why does Jesus say that it's better for you to rip your own eye out of your skull than to cease to exist? I, logic makes absolutely no sense. We can't imagine. Absolutely, we can't imagine. There are scriptures within Revelation uh, that talk uh, about some idea of what it will be like. But there is a coming day of judgment and destruction of the wicked with eternal punishment. And God Himself, as Jesus on the earth, warned us and then provided the way of hope through Him that it's not by our own actions, it's not by our own good deeds, our, our, our ability to avoid sin that will earn our way into heaven. But rather it was through His life, His actions, His perfect love, willingly given up on the cross in order to pay for our sins, to bear the wrath of God against those sins, even though He did not deserve it in any way but to do it in our place that we might find forgiveness for our own sins and a newness of life by the Holy Spirit if we submit to him uh, through repentance and through looking to him as our Lord and Savior. This hope was also reflected in our passage. Again, our passage is talking about the flood and and Sodom and Gomorrah and how those are examples for those that are ungodly, but also through this are examples of those who were saved. We have Noah and his family who were righteous and loved God and trusted Him totally. God says, I'm going to bring a flood. What's a flood? (laughs) They don't know what that means. But God says, I want you to trust me and I want you to build this giant boat and I'll save you. And and so Noah, for, for 120 plus years, worked on this and warned those around him of what was coming. And they all ridiculed him and denied it. So how was Noah saved? Was it because of his own goodness by his own actions? Absolutely not. It was because of God's design and plans for a boat that would survive the flood that was to come. And it was his warning and direction that saved Noah and his family. We looked to Lot. Lot and his family, again, they're in this position of living within this ungodly city that God's saying, I'm bringing judgment upon them. How did Lot and his family escape? Did they sit there and say, you know what? This is a pretty bad neighborhood to live in. Uh, why don't we pack up and, and move out? And God's plan was like, yeah, well, once uh, Lot's out of the way, uh, then I'll bring destruction. It wasn't that at all. He actually sent two angels down into the city. Uh, Lot saw them, invited them into his home. They warned him about what was going to happen. And, and even within that, Lot and his family delayed. They're like, let's, let's go tell some people. Let's, let's go tell our, my son-in-laws. Like, 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 we really don't kind of want to leave this. And the text actually says the angels grabbed them by the hands and pulled them out of the city in order to rescue them. Again, their safety in that situation was not through their own actions, but by the actions of God in that situation. It's the same for us as we look to Jesus' return. We we long for it, but it means judgment. And the only escape from judgment is not by our own actions. Not by being good enough. Not by trying to be good. But by trusting completely and totally in Jesus Christ's work at the cross with Him as Lord and Savior. There's a few other things that we can look in this within our life that we can learn from. The first one we've already touched on, uh, and that is to grieve over ungodliness in our life. Not to turn a blind eye towards it to pretend as though it's not happening, but but allow it to grieve our hearts. And then at the same time to realize, secondly, that we're called to preach righteousness as Noah did for 120 years. That as we see these things happening around us and we sit there and and almost at times in relief, we're like, oh, I'm so glad this is going to end at some point. And, and and you know we'll we'll live here until God's timing, and, and we're just glad that this won't be like this forever. There's a sense of relief to that, but it also should be a motivation to us as we see those still in darkness around us to say there is hope, there is rescue. It is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Turn to him, pursue him. Find rescue in him. And so we preach as Noah did, even though there may be no response. Noah did it for 120 years. And it was just him and his family on the boat. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10. He he gives the twelve. In verse 5, He says, He's going to give the twelve, giving them instructions. He's going to send them out. uh, Go out to the cities around and proclaim uh, the good news, the Gospel. And so they went out to do that. But He also said in verse 14, If anyone does not welcome you, or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town, truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Because they were warned in a way of the gospel and Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. And so we need to preach righteousness. We need to share the hope that we have. We do that by following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and taking the the opportunities that He gives to us. Doesn't mean that we're constantly taking a Bible around with us, trying to bash people up outside the head. But rather, as God brings these opportunities to be faithful in boldness, to share our faith. Be faithful in boldness just to, to offer to pray for somebody and then share our hope and the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. They, they may or may not listen to us in that moment. And again, that's not our fault, but it's how they're responding to God's call on their lives. And it's our hope that, that seeds are planted just last week I got a letter um, at home and it was from my parents Uh, so I grew up a Jehovah's Witness they had been Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, just over the last months uh, through this whole thing with COVID they've been kind of watching online, uh, enjoying the the prayer things, Um, after they left the Witnesses, uh, which many Witnesses do, they just really don't go anywhere because then it's kind of hard, like once you've been part of a cult that deceived you then how do you, like, determine what's right and true and and real? But I get a letter from my parents um, a week ago. Hold on a second. I get a a letter from them a week ago. And in the letter, they started off by saying, um, 17 years ago, so around 2003, uh, is when Christ rescued me. I found salvation through Him. Uh, and so, 17 years ago, uh, and I don't remember this, but I wrote them a letter uh, because my eyes have been opened and, and seeing uh, the the Witnesses are the Jehovah's Witnesses are, are very works based, very very trying to earn salvation, uh, and in that, uh, their idea of God is is twisted. Uh, into this arbiter of, like, how good of a job are you doing or how good of a job you're not doing. And that's not what Scripture says at all. It's just through grace and mercy and trusting in Jesus Christ. So, so I wrote them a letter um, 17 years ago. Uh, in this letter, uh, I said something to the effect of, I found Jesus. Like, like I know who he is now. Let, let me tell you about him. And, and so I wrote this letter, and I don't remember writing this letter. And, and, and so 17 years later... I get this letter, I think it was last Saturday, and they start off by saying, you wrote us a letter at one point, 17 years ago, where it said that you finally found Jesus, and we had no idea what you were talking about. And today as we write this letter, we now know what you mean. And so, that's why I needed this up here. So that being said, God just calls us to reflect Him. He just calls us to share because of love, because of knowing what's coming. And we cannot control how people respond in any way. There's no guarantee that my parents would respond and follow after Christ. But knowing this warning of what's coming I had to say, I found Jesus. I want you to know him the way that he's revealed himself to me. And I share this story also because it was 17 years. That was a long time. And I'm rejoicing now, but it was a hard 17 years at times. We never know. We never know how long it will take. We pray that it will be a response in the moment. To the glory of Christ as Savior. Could be 17 years. And unfortunately, it could be never. And if it's never, the end result is judgment. Romans tells us that no one will be with an excuse before Christ on the throne. And so we're called to share. As we're called to share, we're also told that we need to rest in the salvation of the Lord, whatever may come. Noah was persecuted as he was sharing the gospel, as he was preparing, and his actions of building this giant boat made no sense to his neighbors and the people in his community. And no doubt they mocked him and ridiculed him. But he was faithful to continue to preach righteousness despite of that persecution we can rest in the salvation of the Lord uh, when there's lawless action we can look at the story of Lot and the angels and how the city showed up outside his door banging on the door demanding that he bring the strangers out and he was surrounded by lawless action but trusted in the salvation of the lord we ourselves are told by christ that as his coming gets closer and closer there will be uh, the love of the many will be reduced and we will see persecution and we will see lawlessness increase this leads up to the judgment of christ against wickedness The situation that we live in in 2020 is no different than the situation that Lot lived in or that Noah lived in. But we have the hope and the knowledge of the rescue of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us how He will come the angels as they were standing there and, and all of his disciples when Jesus was taken up into heaven after his resurrection and said that the group was sitting there uh, and looking up into the heavens uh, and i can just imagine them kind of slack-jawed as they're talking to Jesus and all of a sudden he's like lifted up and i just and, and just like watching until you can't see him anymore and all of a sudden an angel was standing next to them and he's like what are you guys doing He's going to return the same way that He came. Now now go and do what He told you to do. So we look at the lawlessness of this world. We look at the sin uh, and the darkness that's in this world. We look at the persecution that our brothers and sisters are facing in parts of the world that we do not know yet. We know that persecution is coming, but yet we are told that rescue is coming as Jesus will split the sky says it will be unrolled as a scroll and that the army of heaven will be behind him as he comes to conquer sin and death ultimately. And all he asks us to do is repent of our sins, to trust him as Lord, and then dare to serve him as his story of rescue and justice unfolds and we are the church of this day and age. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning with the weight of this passage and the truth of what judgment means. We do not fully comprehend what all of eternity will be like for those who do not follow after you. But we have these examples that we can imagine of a flood so great that nothing can survive without your rescue. Of a city being burned to ash. And yet, knowing these things, we know that you are good. And that your justice is perfect. And that your love is complete. We confess that your ways are higher than our ways, that some of these things may not make sense to us, but we also choose to trust you for you are the creator of everything. And we just thank you for the rescue that you have brought to us. Lord, I ask that you guide us as being the church in this time, that we would not be distracted by things of this world, that we would not water down our life, by pursuing after temporary things. But that, Lord, we knowing the hope of Jesus Christ, that we would proclaim Him, that we would truly live as ambassadors in these days, trusting You, whatever may come, but also, as Paul said, recognizing the judgments, no longer recognizing anyone simply according to the flesh, simply according to existence on this earth, but in the reality and light of eternity of either rescue or damnation. Grant us boldness. And as we walk in boldness, we trust you to move in power i going to pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go into.